0: Hey friends, this is Linda and you're listening to Calling Water, where we examine a passage of scripture and ask ourselves what it means, and more importantly, what it calls us to do. In today's episode, Stand in the Way, we're looking at the story of Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, and what we can do when we are presented with a similar paradigm shift. Let's dig in happy mother's day everyone if you are a mother just give yourself permission to enjoy this day i know these greeting card holidays shouldn't be the only time we show affection for our loved ones but in a way it's a great placeholder for us in the midst of our fast-paced and consuming lives to remember to pause and celebrate the moms and mom figures in our lives So mom, if you're listening, I love you and appreciate you so much. At my previous church, there was a woman on our children's ministry staff who had been teaching there ever since I myself was a child. She had been there pretty much the entire time I grew up in Sunday school, then went to seminary and came back to basically run the department. I had had many personal differences with her as an individual, But regardless, I really admired her tenacity and steadfast dedication to the kids she served. And she had no kids of her own and I knew this was a point of misery for her, especially around holidays like Mother's Day. And every year for Mother's Day, I would order a corsage from my mom because church would hand out these ugly carnations and I did not like them. (laughs) And I remember making it a point to get one for this teacher as well. And the first time I pinned a flower on her lapel, she asked me, why do I get one? And I explained that I felt everyone here was like another parent to the kids we serve, and she should also be recognized on a day like today. Now, I didn't think I was doing anything heroic or praiseworthy. I just didn't want her to feel left out because everyone else on staff was a parent, or they were in college, so it didn't really matter to them anyway. I kept up this tradition for years, and I remember one year, another church member saw her corsage and asked very rudely, if you ask me, why do you have a flower? You don't have kids. And this teacher was so flustered and then answered rather sheepishly, well, Linda gave this to me because she says I'm like a spiritual mother to her. And when I heard her saying this at that moment, my initial reflex was to correct her and say, That is not what I said. You completely misunderstood my intentions. I was valuing you in general, not because of any kind of mentoring you provided for me. But I was angrier at this other person who was attacking her. So I nodded sweetly at the person who had asked the impertinent question and I validated her comment. Like, yeah, I grew up here. Everyone here is like a parent to me. And looking back on this, I'm really glad I did, because while I still stand by my truth that this woman hadn't exactly been a parental figure to me in any way, what was more important for this teacher was establishing her right to be included in a holiday that would have otherwise excluded her, and maybe even her feeling a sense of pride that someone would bestow this kind of honor on her. And I'm happy that I was able to stand in the way of this humiliation that this other person was trying to perpetrate on her. Standing in the way is often seen as an obstacle in our lives. We constantly resent those things that stand in the way of our goals and dreams, whether it be a person, an illness, or circumstances. But have you ever stopped to think about how standing in the way of something could in fact be a beneficial thing? Today's Bible story in Acts chapter 10 shows how the Apostle Peter was given an opportunity to do just that. The narrative is told from two different perspectives, one from a Roman centurion named Cornelius and the other from the Apostle Peter. It opens up with an angel of God speaking to Cornelius, recognizing him for two very specific things. One, fearing God, and two, doing what's right. And we know this because he is commended for praying to God regularly and giving generously to those who were less fortunate. And because of these qualities, he is handpicked, even though he's not a Jew, to be a part of revealing a truth to Jesus's own disciple, Simon Peter. Peter, meanwhile, was also praying and falls into a kind of trance and has a vision. Oh, and an important detail, he was very hungry, the text tells us. Okay, so back to this vision. He sees a large sheet being let down from the skies containing all kinds of animals and a heavenly voice telling him to kill and eat these animals. And Peter refuses to Three times. Three is a big number for Peter. He refuses three times to do this, even though, again, he's very hungry, because according to the law he's known all his life, all the animals in this sheet before him are considered impure. Then the voice of God says, "'Do not call anything impure that God has made clean.'" And while he was ruminating on this, Cornelius's entourage arrives to escort Peter to Cornelius' house. Now we know that the message Peter is supposed to have extracted from his vision is that God doesn't show partiality and loves both Jews and Gentiles, that is to say, all people the same, but Peter still hasn't quite grasped this big idea just yet. He walks into Cornelius' house with an air of superiority, Even though he tells Cornelius to get up when he falls at his feet, he then says, You know that I'm not supposed to associate with you, right? But God says I shouldn't call anyone impure or unclean. Like, I don't know about you, but to me, that felt incredibly insulting, which said to me that Peter didn't really understand the heart of the message. However, Peter's eyes are fully opened when he learns of two things. The first is that somehow this non Jew Cornelius received a divine communication that told him precisely where Peter was. And secondly, as he is sharing his testimony with everyone who's present at the home of Cornelius, he witnesses with his own two eyes the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the very people he had previously deemed impure and unclean. We read in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 35, Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. That's the perfect description of Cornelius like we talked about earlier. Cornelius and his family feared God and constantly did what was right, which ironically seems more like a Pharisee lifestyle than what Jesus had taught Peter and the other disciples to do. So in this moment, Peter is being instrumentalized to let Cornelius know that righteous living is not enough. You must also receive the Holy Spirit, which he does. But Peter learns the greater lesson here, which is that not only can anyone accept Jesus, but Jesus accepts anyone. And it's very possible that Peter is holding on to a bit of supremacy here because he was a direct disciple of Jesus. He is a Jew. He was told by none other than Jesus himself to go and feed God's sheep. He has every certification to feel like he's on top in the great commission left by Jesus. And yet he's not, though. Because Jesus had commissioned his followers to go to the ends of the earth, and it seems Peter was staying in his circle. It took two separate paranormal encounters for Peter to wake up from his incredibly ethnocentric mission tactics. And we can't blame Peter for not picking up this message sooner, though. After all, the Mosaic laws about avoiding certain foods were deeply ingrained into him, having been passed down for centuries and generations. It was essential to his identity and how he related to the world around him. I mean, Peter is so devout that even in a vision, he won't cross the lines to satiate his hunger. So the invitation to kill and eat these unclean things was sacrilege for Peter. It shook his entire worldview in alarming ways. And it makes sense that there was resistance on his part and a reluctance to change. But change he did. Later on in the chapter, we find that Peter speaks to the group gathered at Cornelius' house, which included the Jews who had accompanied Peter. And he says in verse 47, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. This is both a statement of grace and an invitation to members of Cornelius' household to be baptized into the body of Christ, but it's also a challenge to the believers who had come with him. He is more or less daring anyone to stand in the way of giving access to these people, and by doing so, he stands in the way of any potential opposition." To stand in the way of something is a big risk. There is a real danger to you because you are showing your categorical support for one specific side and you're going to get backlash from somewhere and that can be intimidating. For those of you who are Hamilton nerds like I am, we see this with the character of Aaron Burr about how he's unwilling to choose a position on anything. He constantly observes from the sidelines and sees how the tides will change before he can commit to a cause. And there's a great line directed at him from Alexander Hamilton who says, if you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? And that's a question we can very much ask ourselves in light of the passage we discussed today. Because once Peter fully grasped the message of God's love for Jews and Gentiles alike, it became something that he was not only willing to stand for, but also to fall for. And it's so easy to stand around or stand by. It's so easy to read the news headlines and shrug it off as it has nothing to do with me. It's so easy to watch a situation escalate and then just shake your head at it but do nothing. What's harder but ultimately braver is to get up and go stand in the way of those things. Disrupt the systems. Speak lovingly to someone who disagrees with you and stand in the way of hatred. Tell someone their racist remarks are uncalled for and stand in the way of injustice. And let no one stand in the way of allowing the radical love of Christ to be shown in you and through you. Pray with me. God, we thank you for this revelation of love you gave to Peter and to us today. We make snap judgments of others all the time and always presume we know better than everyone else. Forgive us of this arrogance and teach us to never call something impure or unclean which you have made clean, for that is ultimately what you have done for us. Instead, give us the courage to fear you and do what is right like Cornelius did by standing in the way of deceit, abuse, and hate and make ways for truth, reconciliation, and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.